Well, we sometimes like to do obituaries in this program and note uh, the passing of lives that, you know, warrant some comment. So we need to talk a bit about Gore Vidal, who died Tuesday at the age of 86 in Hollywood. We are sorry that uh, we tried to get Gore Vidal for this program some years back, but just couldn't quite pull it off for whatever reason. He would have been a heck of a guest. In fact, he he earned a reputation for decades of being uh, a go-to kind of guy for the the talk show. He had trenchant observations and an acid wit and knew how to hold an audience uh, in the palm of his hand. Noted his obituary, he was widely admired as an independent thinker in the tradition of Mark Twain and H.L. Mencken. About literature, culture, politics, and as he liked to call it, the birds and the bees. He picked apart politicians, living and dead. He mocked religions and prudery. He opposed wars from Vietnam to Iraq and insulted his peers like no other. Once observing that the three saddest words in the English language were Joyce, Carol, Oates. Adding that the happiest were I told you so. Noted Andrew Dalton, Vidal had an old-fashioned belief in honor, but a modern will to live as he pleased. Adding in print and in person, he was a shameless name dropper. John and Jacqueline Kennedy, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Tennessee Williams, Mick Jagger, Orson Welles, Frank Sinatra, Marlon Brando, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, Tim Robbins, and Susan Sarandon. Vidal dined with Wells in Los Angeles, lunch with the Kennedys in Florida, clowned with the Newmans in Connecticut, drove wildly around Rome with a nearsighted Williams, and escorted Jagger on a sightseeing tour along the Italian coast. He once likened Norman Mailer's views on women to those of Charles Manson's. <laughs> From this, a headbutting incident ensued backstage at the Dick Cavett show. Noted the piece, Vidal bewildered fans by saying the Bush administration likely had advanced knowledge of the September 11, 2001 attacks. And I have to add personally that Gore Vidal was a remarkable character in, in, in a lot of ways. He, when he talked about the powers that be, he was speaking from direct knowledge. When he criticized the direction this country was taking, he could make spot-on convincing arguments. And when he pushed society in a certain direction, he was, well, sometimes able to get a bit of traction, unlike most of us. When I was a 20-year-old college student, I took a quarter off of my studies to travel back east. And one point when I was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, I saw Gore Vidal chatting in a Cambridge in a phone booth. I, I wanted to say something to him, but like people do in a circumstance like that, about all I could think of to say was, hey, you're Gore Vidal. And I judged with that kind of astonishingly lame conversation starter, it would be best to say nothing, which is what I did. Would note that Vidal relished being provocative. I remember, I recall back during the 1968 Democratic Convention, I think it was ABC News, pitted uh, William F. Buckley versus Gore Vidal as, as competing commentators about what was going down. <laughs> Apparently... Uh, after after Vidal called, called Buckley a crypto-fascist several times, Buckley threatened to punch him in the face. In fact, he said, now listen, you damn queer. I fought the Nazis in World War II. whole thing did cause quite a bit of a stink, and <laughs> some commentators had to sort of delve into, well, what it is Buckley meant when he said that. He was certainly a man born to wealth. His grandfather was... Thomas Pryor Gore, U.S. Senator from Oklahoma, which makes him a relative of Al Gore. His mother was an actress, and if I'm not mistaken, he was a cousin of, uh, of Jackie Kennedy. I do hope that in the wake of his passing, someone compiles a list of some of the remarks that went back and forth between Gore Vidal and Truman Capote. Those are probably going to make the uh, all-time list of uh, 
witty, bitchy remarks. But I just want to note that, you know, for a guy who was sort of, you know, part of the ruling class, as it were, he, he identified with, uh, with the public and then made a point of, of going out of his way to point out how, uh, you know, the average citizen was being screwed by those powers that be. I guess in that way, he kind of reminds me of uh, what FDR once said about Anastasio Somoza of Nicaragua, which was that, well, yeah, he's a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. I guess we'll make that his epitaph here on Radio Parallax. Gore Vidal, our son of a bitch. Mr. McMillan takes some, uh, some delight in recalling, for his part, that uh, Gore Vidal was coaxed onto the Ali G show, at which point Ali G asked him whose hair he would like to cut, obviously confusing Gore Vidal with Vidal Sassoon, who coincidentally also passed away recently. Who is another life worthy of some brief mention. Back in 1967... Director Roman Polanski paid the London-based hairdresser $5,000 to fly to Hollywood and trim Mia Farrow's tresses for the movie Rosemary's Baby. Reporters and photographers were invited to watch as the actress sat in a chair in a boxing ring while the scissor-wielding Sassoon danced around her and sculpted his masterpiece. The short pixie cut became Farrow's signature, and the movie served as fine advertisement for the hairdresser's sharp style. In fact... Pharaoh tells the shocked audience in the film, it's Vidal Sassoon. It's very in. But of the Wall Street Journal, he did not set out to be a hairdresser, but his choices were limited. He was born to a Jewish immigrant family in London and spent six years in an orphanage after his father walked out. When he was 12, his newly remarried mother reclaimed him and insisted that he apprentice at a hair salon, despite his dreams of becoming a professional soccer player. While still in his teens, Sassoon joined a Jewish patrol that battled homegrown British fascists, followers of Oswald Mosley. And at 20, he volunteered to serve in Israel's army and fought in the New Nation's War of Independence. That experience evidently gave Vidal Sassoon a new sense of confidence. He said, I came home after a year, and although my profession was only hairdressing, I knew I could change it. And indeed he did. His client list eventually included most of the leading models, musicians, and film stars of the 1960s, including Twiggy, Jane Fonda, and the Beatles. In 1985, Procter & Gamble bought the Vidal Sassoon chain of salons and their, uh, their hair care products, for which he made $100 million. And now, if you're curious, we do not know whether Vidal Sassoon ever cut the hair of Gore Vidal. Or for that matter, Al Gore. All right, in final obituary, we note the passing with sadness of Norman, of Norman Edmund. Noted Sky and Telescope magazine, amateur science and especially amateur astronomy would not have taken root in post-war America quite as they did had it not been for Norman Wilson Edmund. He died uh, actually last January. We've been sitting on this one for a while. Edmund was a tinkerer and a hobbyist, and he started selling government surplus lenses during World War II from boxes under his bed. That business grew to become Edmund Scientific of Barrington, New Jersey. Its catalog of telescopes, electrostatic generators, chemistry sets, and other fascinating gizmos was thumbed ragged by the science-minded kids of the baby boom, including this correspondent. I still have a small meteorite which I purchased from the Edmund Scientific catalog. The company's mirror-making kits enabled a generation of amateur telescope makers, and its simple diagram-filled books on telescopes and the sky formed a major route into amateur astronomy. 
1975, Edmund retired and turned the company over to his son, Robert, who continues to this day as CEO. All right, we've only got about four minutes left, so I think I'll return back to this, uh, this landing about to take place on Mars. NASA's going to try and put this dune buggy-like science lab down into the Gale Crater, at which point is expected to uh, off-road its built-in scientific package up a, uh, a, a mountain inside the crater. They believe there are all sorts of uh, different layers present there that will enable us to look back at the geologic history of Mars. They're particularly interested in finding carbon compounds, which of course are part of the search for life. NASA's concentrated so far on finding water and found it pretty much everywhere on the planet, showing that it used to have oceans, although it may have only had oceans for a very short period of time, perhaps only a few thousand years. What's curious to me is that Back in the days of the Viking landers, back in the 1970s, they had a device that was supposed to look for uh, carbon compounds and could not find any. In fact, they found so few it was suspicious. You'd think that even carbonaceous uh, meteorites falling from the sky would have probably put some, uh, some of that out there, some organic material. They're now pretty sure that certain compounds like perchlorates on the Martian surface reacted to basically give false negative readings back in the 70s. So uh, this Opportunity rover is going to take a second look at that, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet right now <laughs> they're going to find some. NASA's been on a bit of a public relations campaign related to this mission uh, with some, you know, <laughs> peripheral stories of this one I have to laugh at. NASA's Mars menu. You'd better like vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not going to be grazing cattle on the North 40 once we get to Mars. Of course, preliminary indications are that basically we just add a little bit of water and uh, you'll be able to grow crops once we get humans there, which we're not being very fast about. We know a lot of you out there don't think we should send human beings to Mars, but I just got to tell you, every single one of you is wrong. My reasoning is that the military industry is going to get the money anyway. We might as well put them to work doing something that doesn't kill people. Things like cluster bombs. Of course, Mr. Merlin points out in the wake of our talk with Mary Roach about her book, Packing for Mars, which we refer you to on our, uh, our website, radioparallax.com, that going to Mars may prove to be fatal. A spacecraft, no matter how you build it, is not going to have as good a protection from solar radiation as we find right here on the Earth's surface. So there, there's a bit of a problem associated with this. And we do hope to run into some people from the Planetary Society, in particular Bruce Betts. He has an article in the Planetary Report magazine about how uh, the Planetary Society is going to try and take a look using the Keck Observatory in Hawaii for planets around Alpha Centauri, the nearest star, star system to our solar system. Believe it or not, the verdict is not in on whether the nearest star system we could go to has planets around it. It was thought that was extremely unlikely until the Kepler mission, which has been monitoring, uh, I think it's like 100,000 stars to find planets orbiting them, have found that being a double system, like Alpha Centauri is, does not preclude having planets orbiting around one or both of the suns. This, this is interesting. This was unexpected. And it means we need to take another look at Alpha Centauri. I hope we can talk to Bruce Betts about that search directly. At any rate, we're going to have a report from Pasadena one way or the other on next week's show, and that's going to be fun. But we are out of time. This program was produced by Edward Lyon. We don't know if he's keeping the name for next week's show. 
You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week and hopefully talk about Mars. Hopefully in conjunction with a successful landing. I would note in closing that I was in Pasadena for a planet fest when they tried to put the Mars polar lander down. That failed, causing a wag at Planet Fest to mock NASA. Its slogan at that time was, Better, Faster, Cheaper. Said the engineering type, Better, Faster, Cheaper. Pick two. We'll see you next week.